Hello, welcome to another episode of Daily Feasting on the Words of Christ. It is a wonderful morning here in West Jordan, especially since I got to sleep in till 6.30. I can now borrow my aunt's car because I have enough money to pay her insurance (laughs) and gas. Very important that is. It makes me so grateful for the bus system. It makes me so grateful for cars, even though I'm going to admit it, I am scared every time I'm on Utah roads. It has been a while since I've driven a car, been a few months, so I'm trying to get like back into the swing of things. But Utah, like being in a new place, not knowing the roads, that doesn't, that doesn't really help. So... (laughs) But I'm alive and I'm grateful to be alive. And it's a wonderful morning. And so let's talk scripture. Let's get down in the nitty gritty. Let's dive right in and have a good feasting, shall we? So today it was Mosiah chapter 3. And he starts off with talking about Christ. His mission, his ministry... Like what, what he's going to do when he comes to earth and what that means for each of us. And he talks about everything that Christ is going to go through for us. I mean, it's a pretty lengthy list, right? Um, King Benjamin says he will suffer temptations, pain of body, hunger, thirst, fatigue. Even more than man can suffer, except it be unto death. Blood will come from every pore. He'll feel anguish for the wickedness and abominations of the people. And not only that, he'll like heal all, all manner of diseases. And so he's going to go through all this pain. He's going to help all these people. And King Benjamin wants his people to clearly understand what Christ is going to do when he comes, what his mission is, what's going to happen, what's going down. Even though they're not going to be around when he's around, you know? So, like, what does it matter that they know all the details of Christ's ministry and mission when he hasn't come yet? Well, I think that it's the same for us, for those who live after Christ. It's important to know everything he went through because it doesn't really matter the timeline. It doesn't really matter when you lived on the earth, he went through it for you. And the understanding of Christ's atonement, that he did it for you, you know, he didn't do it for just the people that were living while he was living. He didn't do it just for, you know, the people after him, right? And it wasn't just for the people before him it was for everybody and that includes you he did this for you and all of us can benefit from having a clearer understanding of the details of Christ's mission and ministry because they're about you I know that's kind of funny to say because when you read the New Testament reading about everything that he did for other people you're like, okay, that's for someone else. That was for the Jews while he was living on the earth. 
Like, I don't... I'm like, what does it matter? I know he healed sick back then. I know he cast out devils. I know he will raise people from the dead. What does that matter? What matters because he can do the same for you. And maybe more in a spiritual sense than in like a physical sense, you know? Maybe it's more about how he can heal your spiritual sickness and raise you from your spiritual death and cast out the spiritual devils and temptations and natural man appetites inside you, right? Like we could look at the New Testament as a story about you and what Christ can do for you physically and spiritually, right? Why not make the scriptures personal? They were made personally for you. Yes, they were done maybe with the intent of convincing many people. But when you read the scriptures, that's a very that can be a very personal moment, especially when the spirit speaks to you. And even in a group setting where you're reading the scriptures, the same verse is going to touch people in a different way, like the different people in a different way, right? Not everyone's going to get the same thing out of a verse. Because God's awesome that, that way. Even in a group setting, the scriptures are still very personal. Very personal. You know, and though they may be the same words you read every single year, and still incredibly personal to you at this point in time. These scriptures were made for you with you in mind. And even though the prophets may not have known you, many of them did see you, by the way. Many of them had a vision of the world from the beginning to the end. So many of them have seen you. And they see the struggles that you've gone through or have seen. Right? And they wanted to give us the most important things. Knowing that these records were going to be for someone else, that it was not going to be for their people, but for someone else at a different time. Right? The things that are in the Book of Mormon, yes, we hear a lot about what they were saying to people at that time. But if you think about it, Mormon had to go through hundreds of records to pick out what he wanted to share with you. What you need to know. And and I'm I think Mormon Amaroni may have had that giant vision of the beginning to the end of the world. I'm not positive. I'm not positive on that one. I'm going to have to do some research. But if they did, they, they did it with you in mind. Knowing that this is what you're going to need, right? They, if they did have that vision, they saw the struggles you're going through, and they decided that what you needed is in this book. And what's it a, the majority of it about? Christ's ministry and mission. So obviously that's important. 
to us personally. Christ's ministry and mission is important to you personally. So how much do you know about it? How much do you really understand it? You know? And if you think you know everything, I'm going to let you know, that's a sign that you don't. And if you think you don't know anything, that's a good sign that you know that you are on the right path to learning a lot. And I suggest you keep learning. I'm just going to warn you. The more you learn, the more you're going to realize you don't know anything. But that's okay. You just keep going. <laughs> it's okay not to know anything. You just keep moving forward. You just keep progressing. You just keep learning. And keep learning about how personal Christ's ministry and mission is to you. You'd think we would exhaust the topic of Jesus Christ, especially after how many decades the gospel has been on the earth. I mean, look at general conference, especially this past one, which a majority of it was talking about some sort of aspect of Christ's ministry, mission, or doctrine. How many talks were at general conference? You think the topic would be exhausted, that no one could talk about it anymore, and yet we can still learn something new from every conference when they talk about very similar topics every single time? There's a wealth of things to learn. Now, granted, some of us are forgetful, and so we need repeats. (laughs) So that helps. But there's so much to learn about Christ's ministry and mission and how personal it is to us, how it affects our lives today and every day to think about your day and to be like, okay, how can I include Christ in my day? That is a question that you could learn something from every single day. You know, for example, in my life, I'm going to go work at a daycare with some kids. I am a lead teacher right now. I used to be an assistant teacher, love being an assistant teacher. Lead teacher has a lot of responsibilities I'm trying to get used to. Um, but, you know, I can think about that and be like, okay, I know I'm going to be working with these kids. I know there's things that we need to be learning and I'm going to be imperfect that I might get impatient with these kids. And I, maybe there's going to be times where I don't know how to help them or how to help in, like help them with the rules and things like that, you know? Or, you know, am I loving them enough? Do they know that I love them? Am I teaching them well? Am I I following all the rules that I need to? Right? It's just... I got so many worries about being a late teacher. You know, but using this question, how can I include Christ in my day? And thinking about Christ and how much he loved little children. You know, I can learn from him on how can I love these children? How can I help these children? 
How can I include Christ in my day-to-day as I love and help these children and teach these children? You know, and... You know, I think it's just a good question to ponder, to think about. How can I include Christ more in my life, in my day? You know? Because Christ could be my bre- my best friend. He could be, I could treat him like someone who is my brother, whom I could tell everything to. You know, and trust, and know that he'll love me and whatever he whatever advice he gives me uh, it's going to help me you know so how can I include him more in my day how can I throughout my day take those moments to remember him so I'll admit it, in the midst of my day, I go about things quickly. My mind is just, it just goes. It is constantly going. The thoughts are constantly moving. Just all the time. All the time. And when I get caught up in the moment, it is easy for me to forget To slow down and to remember him. You know, we just I just get caught caught up in life. We all do. You know? The the same probably happens to you. You probably just get caught up in life. You probably don't think about it much except in the morning when you are praying and studying the scriptures and in the evening when you Go back to pray and you think about everything you've done and you got to tell the Lord what you've done that day and be like, well, looks like I got a lot of repenting to do, right? Like you don't think it's easy to forget to think about that throughout the day. I think that's what King Benjamin Address was doing for his people, was reminding them to take a moment to pause in their busy lives and to ponder how personal Christ's ministry and mission is for them. To ponder what Christ was going to do for them. And to think of it as if it already happened. To have faith and to believe in him as if it already happened. I guess for us, it's like as if it's happening. Maybe. I don't know. Because it's already happened. But like, Christ does is not passive savior. He's not like, oh, my mission is done. I'm just going to sit back and relax. No, he's, he's still very active. He's like, okay, I've performed the atonement. 
now what can I do to help them? Right now, what can I do to give them more access to my power, to my mercy, my forgiveness, to my strength? You know, what can I do to help them? He's very active. Like I said in my last season, God is in the trenches. Christ is in the trenches. You know, these are not, they are not gods who stand back and watch. These are gods who are active in our lives. They're not passive. They're very active and they're right there with us, you know? Right there with us and trying to help us become the best that we can be. And then in, I think it was Mark chapter 6 that I read this morning. Um, yeah, Mark chapter 6. Not gonna lie, it was a little confusing. Uh, because Mark writes so fast that I don't know who he's talking about when. And again, I guess it could have been that my brain got distracted while reading that I would lose who I was talking about. Like, at one point I was talking about Herod putting John in jail. And then I lost who Mark was talking about. That I'm like, it sounded like he was saying that Herod liked John's preaching. But in reading the footnotes, I think it was John being super obedient to God. Like, it was really confusing. I was really confused the whole time. Whomever he was talking about, it was getting confused for me. All the time. I had no idea if he was talking about Jesus or the people following him or John the Baptist or Herod or whatnot. So uh, that one I probably should have paid more attention to to understand what was going on. But again, there are several miracles that happened in this chapter. Several miracles. He goes and preaches in synagogues in his hometown. And it also talks about him sending the apostles out on missions to preach to people of Israel. also talks about John the Baptist's death and the context for that. talks about the feeding of the 5,000. It talks about him walking on water. It talks about him coming into a new town and everyone's bringing their sick and their ill and whomever is afflicted, however they're afflicted, to Jesus. Uh, and healing them. Just, when you read Mark, the sheer amount of healing this guy has was doing, it just never ends. So it kind of gives you this picture of Christ all day, every day was just healing people. All the time. Like, there was no end. There was no pause. There was no break. Maybe every once in a while he made it to a mountain and walked on some water. But it was just one right after the other. The miracles. The sheer amount of miracles is astounding. Right? Like, they talk... During that time, people thought that Jesus was a prophet. Which, there are prophets that have performed a ton of miracles. But when you compare it to Christ, it feels like they can't even compare. The, the just sheer amount 
of miracles he performed, while the earth was just astounding. Like, it it probably, if one were to count all the miracles, all the people he healed, which would have to be a very approximate number, a huge estimate, because there are several miracles that are not specifically listed. It just says multitudes. So you don't even have an exact number for that. But if we could have a somewhat accurate estimate, maybe give or take a few hundred, just it'd probably be exhausting to think about that number of healings and miracles and and things, you know? Like, it would be a lot. A lot, a lot. Um... Christ never complains about it. You know, he doesn't ever take a break and walk away and be like, okay, I've had enough for the day. Done. All of you, please go back home. I am spent. I can't do this anymore. This is too much. Right? But I think that's because he was you know, the Savior. He was Christ. That was his mission. His mission was to heal people, to free people, to save people. You know, that was his whole goal. That was his whole intent. And so I think he didn't complain. I think he was probably happy because it showed how much faith that they had in him. Um, and no I just wonder if it made him happy to perform all those miracles to watch those people change to ask for forgiveness to become whole you know it never really talks about Christ's emotions throughout this whole thing, except during like the a few brief moments, you know, especially when he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and his soul becomes heavy. Then we get some emotion there, but otherwise, there's not a whole lot of emotion we see. Uh, written down in the scriptures at least in Matthew and Mark it seems to be that way once I get to Luke and John maybe we'll have a little bit more insight I have no idea I'm not super familiar with the Old Testament I'm way more familiar with the Book of Mormon because I've probably read that thing from beginning to end several times you know you got seminary and family scripture study and the mission and the times that I've read it beginning to end after my mission, I just, I read it through beginning to end multiple times. So I'm way more familiar with the Book of Mormon than I am the New Testament. New Testament, I've probably finished beginning to end maybe once, and that was probably for seminary. And other times I've just gone back for specific verses or specific chapters or stories or things like that. So I am not super familiar with the New Testament. I will say this, however, I am more familiar with it than I am the old And I'm probably more familiar with the New Testament than I am the Doctrine and Covenants. 
Um, but where was I going with this? Oh yeah, emotions. I wonder if Christ was happy. You know, I want to imagine him being happy to do that, to perform all those miracles for people that he saw it as such a great opportunity to do those sorts of things. Like it didn't, like maybe it did exhaust him and wear him out because of how much he was doing it all the time. Like, I don't know how the priests are worth, so I don't know like how that goes for people, but, um, But I just, yeah, I want to imagine, like, I kind of imagine him being, every time he hears someone coming to him, I wonder if he just gets happy inside. Because he knows. He knows he can do it. And he sees it as a great opportunity. And to just watch those people change, I wonder if that just made him so excited. Made him so happy. That I wonder if it gave him energy, too. That he was happy to do them all day long because seeing the change was just so exciting. I don't know. I like to think of it that way. You know, and maybe he always gets super excited when we ask him to do a miracle in our lives. You know, when we ask for help. I wonder if it makes him excited because he gets an opportunity to show his power and to see that change in us. You know? It kind of makes me wonder, how would it change my prayers? And you can think about this too. How would it change your prayers? How would it change your scripture study? How would it change how you live day to day? Believing that Christ was excited every time you asked for help. That Christ was so happy when you asked for a miracle. Because that's that's his mission. That's his life purpose. And when you do things in line with your life purpose, it actually makes you excited. Like I am working on my life mission and purpose, but you know, the bits that I do have when I do things that are in line with that, I get so happy and excited. So happy and excited. It's awesome. I love it. I love it so much. It just gives me energy instead of taking energy from me. It's fulfilling. I just want to give more. So I wonder if that's how Christ feels because doing that is part of his mission and life purpose. I don't know. Maybe I won't be so afraid to ask for things knowing that Christ is excited to help. Hmm. That's something for me to ponder. How can I include Christ knowing that he is excited to be included? I'll leave that with you to ponder today. I got to get going. But thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a great day. And I hope that you remember God loves you and that you are amazing. I say this at the end of every episode because it's true. And it's something that we forget. And I want to make sure that you have some sort of reminder today that someone out there believes in you, thinks that you can do amazing things. I really do. I really do think that you can do amazing things. Why? Because... There was a time in my life where I thought I couldn't do anything. And then through many circumstances and things that I learned and miracles I've had in my own life, I now believe I can do anything, that anything is possible, that I can achieve anything, accomplish anything. 
like it's it's such a great feeling and if that feeling can happen inside me when I used to believe I can do anything well then I know it's possible for you and so I believe in you I believe you can do anything I believe that you are amazing and that you have so much to offer and if you struggle believing in that believe me then okay believe me until you can believe it for yourself and I always want to make sure you at least have some sort of reminder every day that God loves you and that you're amazing okay I want to make sure that you know there's someone out there who believes in you because that's important I believe that's important to have people that believe in you it makes a difference trust me it really does if you feel like you got no one you got me and you got Jesus, and you got Heavenly Father, and you got the Holy Ghost. That's four people right there. You can make it five by believing in yourself. But if you're not there yet, it's okay. You'll get there. And more people will show up in your life who believe in you. So, take care, and I'll talk to you later.